1: Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. <laughs> this is a house of learning
2: doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou
0: Ludor you listening to The Uncontested.
1: What is up? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are back with you guys for our Thunder player grades this week, covering the Thunder power forwards. We had another four players this week. Nick Crane and I hopped on the locker room app To do our player grades, interact with the chat. So, I'll patch you over to that audio here in just a moment. We had a great time. If you don't have the locker room app already, I would highly encourage you to go download it and come join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights as we are pushing out lots of content on locker room. Before I get you over to that audio, though, some Thunder news that I wanted to talk about at the beginning of the show here, and that would be the draft coin flips to break draft ties. Uh, unless you you haven't been paying attention. These coin flips happened on Tuesday, May 25th. Uh, And the big one for the Thunder, obviously, they are tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers for their their record at 4-5 in the draft. Uh, So that coin flip, the way that works is the Thunder and the Cleveland Cavaliers both will still have the exact same lottery odds in the draft. They, they split the lottery balls even. Instead of whoever wants the coin flip, the f- fourth-place team getting the higher odds like they're supposed to than the fifth-place team, if there is a tie with the record, they split those lottery balls evenly. So that is what is happening. However, the way that this tiebreaker comes in that the Oklahoma City Thunder won is that if neither the Thunder nor the Cavaliers get their lottery ball drawn on draft lottery night, meaning they neither of them end in the top four, then they're both still tied with record, and we have to figure out which one drafts first. Well, since the Thunder won the coin toss, the Thunder will draft first. Uh, this is important because the lowest the Thunder can drop is pick number eight, and there's less than a 1% chance, I believe, or it's 1% or a 2% chance that the Thunder will actually get pick eight. So it's a 98% chance that they get pick one through seven. The promising thing is, if they do land at pick number eight, that means enough teams jumped up into the lottery, uh, into the top four, that the Houston Rockets pick will have slid back to pick number five and will belong to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So the absolute worst the Thunder can do this year in the draft is seven and 18, uh, I believe there is like a, a 75% chance that the Thunder end up with at least one top five pick. So the odds of that are very, very high. So it's a, a very important coin flip for the Thunder to win, mainly because uh, instead of the lowest pick the Thunder get can get being number nine, it is now number eight, and it slightly increases their odds of landing a top five overall pick. So big news for the Thunder. Now Thunder fans just need to hope that Their luck continues as we go into the June 22nd draft lottery. That's going to be one of the biggest nights for this Thunder franchise in the past four or five years. So Everyone's going to have their eyes glued to the TV that night and hope that the lottery balls uh, fall the way that, that Thunder fans and the Thunder front office want them to fall with at least one top five pick, hopefully two so with that being said I'm going to get you guys over to the locker room audio where Nick and I gave grades to the four Thunder power forwards this season hope you guys enjoy and make sure to join us Friday evening back on the locker room app for just a general hangout and then Sunday night 9 p.m. Central time for our weekly live stream on YouTube Twitter and Facebook enjoy the show it's What's up? Welcome to the uncontested podcast. We are live on the locker room app, Wednesday night, May 26th, as the Knicks are playing, uh, Nick Crane's Atlanta Hawks. Let's go and we've got the uh, the Philly Washington game going on as well. Nick did you see the Washington fan pour popcorn on Russell Westbrook? No, I've not seen that yet. Like intentionally? Oh my gosh, you got to go to go to Twitter while we're recording right now oh and check that out. Some Philly fan poured a bucket of popcorn on Russ as he was exiting with an injury and Russ tried to murder the man.
3: I about to say it that's that's not something that like Russ is not the last player I'd probably do that
1: to. Yeah, exactly, right? So <laughs> so um but yeah, so we're live on the Locker Room app. Uh, we've got a handful of people in here, so thank you guys for joining. If you do not have the Locker Room app already and you're listening to the podcast version of this, number one, thanks for downloading the podcast. We really, really appreciate you. Number two, get on the Locker Room app. Come join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as we hop on here and chat all things Thunder. Nick, tonight we are continuing our Thunder player grades. Uh, we are missing one of our teachers to help us grade tonight in Taylor Peterson. Uh, Lord knows what he's doing, uh, so it is just you and I tonight, and we are breaking down power forwards. That's a tricky one. Who, who do you who do you consider to be power forward? So, great question. Um, I went on to BasketballReference.com and I looked at the Thunder roster, and I took the players who played the largest percentage of their minutes at power forward for this season. Uh, that would be Darius Baisley, Gabriel Deck or Gabriel, depending on how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Uh, Alexei Pukashevsky and Isaiah Roby are the four guys on the team that played majority of their minutes at the power forward spot.
3: That kind of surprises me, but I I guess...
1: Yeah, uh, I thought Kenrich Williams might fall in this, but he actually played, uh, I think, over 60% of his minutes at the three. Uh, Um, Poku was pretty close on on three slash four, but most of his minutes came at the four. Bazley's Baisley's percentage was a little bit surprising to me. He played more minutes at the three this year than I thought he did.
3: Uh, I'm assuming he played more at the three than the five. Yeah.
1: But still, major- obviously, majority of his minutes at the sure. four. So, Nick, let's dive right on into it. Uh, and let's start with the guy that started at Power Forward for majority of the season, Darius Baisley. So, based off his performance, his stats, his growth, his impact on winning, his contract, all, all, everything thrown into a pot. Kind of just give us your thoughts on Darius Baisley for this past season uh, and where you're kind of leaning towards a grade here. Yeah, so
3: Baisley's a guy, he had some really, really great stretches and some great flashes, missed some time with injury. I thought he, he came back from that pretty well. It just wasn't consistent. And that's, that's a problem with a lot of guys. You know, they, they have these these flashes as young players, you hope that those flashes ultimately end up what type of player they're going to be Baisley, obviously yet to be determined. Um, but then there's also stretches where you're like, man, is this guy actually going to be a starter in the future for the Thunder? Um, I think generally there was more good than bad. I tend to lean towards his upside. Maybe I'm just an optimistic person. I, I view his upside um, as a better sample size than the bad things that we've seen. Um, that being said, if I had to lean towards a grade, I'd probably give him a B. Like I feel like he's a, a love or hate kind of guy. If you go on Thunder Twitter, people either love him or hate him. Uh, I thought overall he, he played well. He was in a much bigger role than he was last season. A lot of these guys were thrown into roles that you know most guys don't jump into from year one to year two, just given the state of the roster. Um, and Jacob, I'll kind of ask you a question to segue into your thoughts on this seems like we used to talk about Basley. you know, had a good-looking jumper but couldn't finish at the rim. This season, we kind of saw that flip a little bit at times. Um, I'm curious, from the inconsistency standpoint, what things do you think he needs to get more consistent at, and what things do you think he improved on?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So as far as improve, I mean, when you look at raw statistics, he over-doubled his points per game. Uh, he over doubled his assists per game he nearly doubled his rebounds per game um he tripled his free throw attempts per game but then you look at like his field goal percentage he his first season took 5.2 field goal attempts a game this season took 12.5 so over doubled the amount of shots he took however uh the field goal percentage is the exact same .394 last year .396 this year his three point percentage although he took double the amount of threes dropped 6 percentage points this year his two point percentage uh jumped by 4% um but yeah it's like you said it's the consistency issue with him 100% um the the shooting stroke just really really bad this year uh could not get a shot to go in uh shooting 29% from 3 is like you can't play him type of bad um, And it's weird because in the bubble, he shot the three really, really well. I thought at times this year, he looked good driving to the basket. But that's been my biggest knock for him uh, for a long time now is that he drives to the basket and doesn't know what to do when he gets there. He finishes low. uh, He struggles to finish. He gets caught in the air. Doesn't know if he should shoot or if he should pass. I think a lot of fans came out of year one and especially bubble bays with really high expectations and you just didn't see the jump from him in season two that you wanted to. Now I do think we saw a jump from him as far as aggressiveness is concerned. Um, But you would hope that aggressiveness would also translate into um, quality basketball. And I'm just not sure that that was really there this year. Again, a, a much bigger role for the kid. He's not even 21 yet. Uh, he became one of like the quote de facto like leaders of the team. Um, you could tell that he was putting a lot of responsibility on himself, and so I still think you have to give him some runway and some time because he's a very interesting guy. Six eight, two hundred and ten pounds, probably close to a seven foot wingspan. He can dribble, uh, he can pass. Theoretically, he can shoot. He can defend like a plethora of types of players. Can we at this we point talk though? I
3: don't say it again. Can we talk about the defense? I feel like that's something, for a second there, it was a hot topic when it came to Bazley. Dagnall gave him some tough assignments, and he was saying that's the kind of stuff he wants to do going forward is get those really tough assignments defensively and show what he can do, guard multiple positions. Did you see enough from him to think he's got defensive upside to truly be an effect? Because a lot of guys, we we say they can guard multiple positions just because of their size, right? Do you think he can do it effectively at multiple positions?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think he has the physical tools, the quickness, the the wingspan, the strength to be able to guard. Like, I don't think he's going to guard a ton of fives ever in the league, um, but I think one through four he can legitimately defend. Now, I'm not saying, like, lock down, like, get this man a spot on the all-defensive team type of stuff, but I think he can be a serviceable um, slightly above average wing defender. Uh, I, I think that's kind of his defensive potential is also kind of how I see his overall potential at this point, which is like an above average, slightly above average, like wing rotational player at this point. I don't think he's going to be a long-term starter in the league, um, but he is versatile enough that I think he's, he's the type of guy you want on your roster. Nick, we talked last week about Uh, Moses Brown and how uh, I said, I don't think he'll be in the league next year because would you rather have a roster spot being taken by Moses Brown or somebody that fits more the modern NBA? Darius Baisley is that kind of guy that you want filling a roster spot. Maybe he pans out, maybe he doesn't. Um, But the, the physical attributes and the skill level, that's the type of guy that I think you want. So, I mean, defensively, I think he can be like, a versatile defender who is like at league average or maybe a little bit above. Is that fair?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's certainly fair. And, and also another thing to consider, it's sounds like a cop out, but I think it's worth talking about again. Um, you know, with, with him taking that gap year last year really felt like a college season. He didn't get a ton of experience year two really felt like his rookie season. I think if you take that into consideration, like this was his real, you know, first NBA season after the the gap year was kind of his college year. I think if you put it in that lens too, it almost puts things in a more perspective that's Yeah,
1: I think that's fair. I definitely think that's fair. I I do think you have to take into consideration the the struggles of last season uh, for everybody uh, and then the awkwardness of this season. But then you also have to do that for all players, right? I think Dort definitely made a jump. Um, going through the same type of situation that that Baisley had to go through professionally. Um, so there's some give and take there. But uh, yeah, I'm at the point now where I think Baisley... So we have some comments here in the chat. Um, Blaine says he still has a ton of room to grow after no college or overseas play for sitting out the year, COVID season, the shortened year, et cetera. Uh, Cameron says he has upside that he hasn't shown yet. Uh, Nate says don't trade him for anything else than a mid first round pick. I don't think he has that value right now. Um, but yeah, Nick, how before we move on from Baisley, how important do you think this offseason and next year is for Baisley? Is that like a make or break season for him? I
3: think it it it's a make or break on whether he is a long-term starter on this team. And to his, you know, disadvantage, Oklahoma City is gonna be drafting a ton of high caliber guys in the next months to years over the next two drafts, like they could have up to seven or eight different, you know, top 40 picks coming onto the team, which isn't going to help his case.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I'm I'm with you. I think this off season is, is incredibly important for him and his growth. So where are we putting his letter grade at? Did you say a B? Is that what you said earlier? Yep.
3: B is my grade.
1: Um, see, I, I, I have problems grading just in general, which doesn't sound great, uh, as a teacher, right. Um, that I have problems grading. We gave Moses Brown and Tony Bradley a C last week. Uh, I think Basley is definitely better than them, but I think based off the hopes that I had for Basley, I would give him like a C. So I'll go, I'm going to go C plus on Basley. You're going B. I'm going to go C plus. Fair enough. I, I think he. Do, we, is, do you want to split the difference and go B minus? Yeah, uh, for the overall.
3: Exactly. What,
1: exactly. Nice. Right, so we had a lot of people in the chat saying uh, B or C as well, so I think we're right on pace uh, with the rest. And then this next one, Nick, a challenging one just because of small sample size, but we have Gabriel Deck next up. Um, in the in the small amount of times that we got to watch Deck play, what are your thoughts, what did you see? Um, again, based off your your hopes for him, uh, growth, his, his impact on winning, et cetera.
3: Yeah, I mean, Deck was, was fine. I'm one of the ones, and you know this, I was never huge on the signing. I know Thunder Twitter got all hyped up about Deck coming over and playing. I mean, he, he's a guy that just, he doesn't fit on a Rebuilding Thunder team. he A lot of those international guys that are in their mid to upper 20s play much better on contenders in, you know, kind of role-player situations using their veteran experience to translate to the NBA and make an instant impact. And I think that's where Deck fits. I think that's where Mitchitz fits, the the guy that just won the, the EuroLeague MVP that Oklahoma City has the draft rights to. Um, so all that to say, I never had high expectations. I think he did enough to show... He can be an NBA player. He's never going to average, you know, 20 points, eight rebounds, six assists. But on a contender, I think he could play kind of a, a Kenrich Williams role, um, be a guy that comes in, is is a veteran, even though he hasn't played in the league very long and gives you um, even neutral minutes. A lot of times is a win, especially in the playoffs. If you can have your superstar sit and the guys that replace them aren't a humongous negative, then... I think that's all you can ask for. And so with deck again, didn't have high expectations. Um, I'll give him a C plus just because he did show some things. Uh, That being said, I, I can't confidently say that we haven't already seen it.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair as well. Nick, let me ask you this. Let's say three years from now, the thunder are on a clearly um, like up trajectory, right? They, they have, uh, some high name draft picks uh, in in the franchise. Shea Gilgis Alexander, and uh, in, in three years from now, is a two time All Star. Uh, that it's very clear that the Thunder are trending upwards. There, that season may be competing for four or five seed, but it looks like they can continue to climb. Is Deck a rotational piece on that team? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um... I think he could
3: play minutes. I think that if three years from now you got to consider a lot of the guys that will be on the Thunder through draft are still going to be young. Like, likely would be their first playoff appearance. Um, Deck has played quite a bit of high level ball overseas. I think in the playoffs he could definitely have an increased role versus a regular season role. But I don't know. It's tough because at the same time. I wouldn't be shocked if Deck wasn't on this team at Christmas next year, you know, yeah. so I- assuming he's on the roster and he gets those guarantees and he's not traded sure i think I think he could be part of the rotation because in fact, I guess you put it that way if he is on the team in three years, he's shown something, and he will be a rotation player if yeah. he's not a rotation player, he won't be on go.
1: that's a great point that is a great point, so we only saw ten games from deck this season. points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists. Uh, He did shoot 48% from the field, uh, a whopping 13.3% from the three-point line. Uh, Solid free throw stroke, though, at 82%. Silver in the chat says, give him an incomplete. Uh, I feel like that's kind of fair. Here's my thing with the deck. He is a very high IQ player. Uh, I mean, game one, he was dropping some some really nice passes, uh, just understood the game really well. My biggest knock on him is the three-point shooting. He's really never been a three-point shooter, even in his time in Europe. And, I mean, we're just at an era in the NBA where you have to have shooting in order to be successful. I mean, watch any of these playoff games right now, Nick, right? You have to have three-point shooting uh, to be a successful NBA team right now. And Deck just doesn't have that. With that being said, though, with his age, I'm with you. I think he's probably at his ceiling. I don't know how much more he grows. Um, so, like, he didn't, like, beat my expectations, but he didn't come in, and, and I was like, oh, God, this guy's way worse than I thought he was going to be. He was kind of, like, right in par with where I thought he would be. I just don't know how much more room for growth he has left in him. Uh, maybe a little bit, but but I think I'm with you on the fact that we're pretty close to the ceiling on deck. So, with all that being said, Nick, what, gr- what grade do you want to give Gabriel Deck? I'm going to
3: C plus you can, you can sway that I guess with our weighted average of, of your grade. So would you be higher or lower than a.
1: I think C plus is pretty good.
3: Sweet. Now, I do like the, the incomplete comment. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, obviously it's not as fun, but I do think incomplete, if there was a true grade we'd give him, that would probably be it. That's-
1: yeah. I mean, it, and, and the problem again, is just that, uh, Lack of lack of exposure, lack of uh, playing time uh, coming in so, so late. Nick, tell me right now, we're not going to bet on this because you and I have way too many damn bets going right now. But if you had to, to make a bet that Gabriel Deck is on this team uh, on opening night, his contract is non-guaranteed, what, what would you bet, yes or no, he is on the team?
3: I think he'll be there opening night. Uh, I think for the same reasons that we're saying – incomplete and for the same reasons we're still kind of unsure um i would imagine other franchises kind of feel the same way i don't think he's gonna be the the first guy they're thinking of when the the trade market opens up this offseason. oh let's go let's go get dick i think yeah. he'll be a guy that as the the market saturates and deals start to slow down um asking prices on their top candidates are too high Um, teams come out to a sluggish start early in the season, I think that's when Dex names.
1: I think he's most likely used a salary filler for a trade with that $4 million. All right, Nick, next one, we got two more left. Of course, we're saving the best for last, though. Don't worry, guys, we'll get there. But we're saving the best for last. Next one, we're going Isaiah Roby. I think you and I will both kind of have a lot of thoughts on Roby, Nick. So I'm going to let you take the floor uh, and give us your thoughts on Isaiah's season.
3: Isaiah Roby, like, crushed my expectations. Um, That's not to say that he was some insane player, but I think a lot of us thought he was a cut candidate when it came down to to getting the Oh, hell yeah. I I think
1: we could probably go back to a podcast, Nick, where most of us said Isaiah Roby and Kenrich Williams need to be the guys that get cut and keep Frank Jackson.
3: Yep. And, And I think with him, it's a lot of confidence because in the preseason, it looks like a completely different player. Like he looked incompetent out there. And then he comes in, he gets, he gets some run with Al and his kind of rest plan on back to backs and, you know, load management, that type of thing. He comes in and, and runs back up center pretty effectively there for a long time. I mean, he played 61 games this year, started over half of them. Um, his three-point shooting, it's not great. Like, he was sub-30%, but I think the fact that he shot them and, and he has a good a good stroke, like, he was making step backs. Like, he has he has that in his game. I think he'll continue to improve. He's definitely a guy I consider a rookie. I mean, last season, um, he played three games for the Thunder for a total of, like, 12 minutes. It was in the G League the rest of the season, so this really was his first NBA season. Um, I think he showed some incredible athleticism. I don't know if you saw his Instagram post the other day. He had a couple of, of pictures that were, like, when, when you look at his dunks in, like, slow motion or in picture form, like, very, very athletic dunks. And, you know, a couple, couple of three-point shooting with the athleticism, with the fact that he's kind of a tweener. Like, he's really a four that can play three, can play small ball five. I think he does bring a ton of versatility. He's a solid free-throw shooter, decent rebounder. He's, he's an underrated passer. He averaged almost two assists a game this season. So, again, not jaw-dropping numbers, but my expectations for him were so low, and he absolutely shattered them. Jacob, I may give him a B.
1: Yeah. He had a really good season. Nick, you just mentioned this. So I was going to ask you. The current Thunder roster, is Isaiah Roby the most athletic player on the roster? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Because um, I don't think there's anyone more athletic than him.
3: I think there's two types of athleticism. Like like Dort is a freak, right? Um, he doesn't have like the hops or like the poster dunks. He's also a lot smaller, of course. Um, I think you can make a case for Dort being as athletic, but, but from a pure, like your kind of highlight reel hops and, and athleticism and and speed and agility for his size. I think pound for pound, he probably is.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. I think, uh, since the homie trade, he is probably the most athletic guy on the team. Uh, I'm with you. He blew my expectations out of the water. I did not think this was coming from him. Uh, He proved to have a little bit of a handle. Uh, I specifically think back to when he dropped Nikola Vucevic uh, like a bad habit and then dunked the ball. That's maybe my highlight of the year for the Thunder, honestly. Um, You mentioned it, the the three-point percentage, the number doesn't look great, but a decent enough stroke um, was very adept in the pick and roll. And I think especially defensively is is where he really impressed. He played most of the season with a tanking roster that was designed to lose. Uh, So I don't know how much you hold some of these stats uh, against him. I think, and I wanted to ask you this, Nick, if you had to choose one of the two going into next season, Roby or deck, which one are you taking?
3: Oh, Roby by a mile. I think, outside of, of experience just playing the game of basketball against grown men and professional players, I think Roby is more attractive in, in every aspect, really. I mean, Deck's probably a better passer, but he also plays uh, kind of a smaller position with the ball in his hands more often. Um, I think that's a...
1: Yeah, I, I am totally with you. Uh, Isaiah, only 23 years old, won't be 24 until almost the end of next season. 6'8", uh, 230. I think his future in the league, Nick, is probably a... This might sound crazy to say, but I think it's probably a, a small ball mitch, mismatch five. I think he can definitely play four, but I think he has the possibility to be like a, a step out and shoot and handle type of five against like other bench fives uh, that where he is strong enough that he can defend the post a little bit. But on offensive on the offensive end, he can create enough of a mismatch that he becomes playable. He kind of reminds me.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm trying to think of player comps. And I know this is it's weird to comp a guy that's like roughly the same age with the same experience. Eric Pascal from the Golden State Warriors kind of reminds me of Roby, where he's like that I like that oversized wing that's not you know, great with the ball in his hands, but he, he can handle and he can pass, but he also can be a mismatch at the center position. I think it's a, it's a valuable position. In the modern NBA, I think Roby fits. I think a, a decade ago when it was bang inside traditional bigs, everyone's seven feet plus, even, I mean, think about it, like KG and a lot of these power forwards, Dirk, were like seven feet tall playing the four. Now fours are, you know, small guys. Um, I think he's kind of right place, right time, right
1: yeah I think that's fair so what what grade are we going to give isaiah Roby?
3: i'm I'm tinkering between b b or b plus definitely somewhere in the B's I don't think he's a worthy that that takes a lot but he's certainly in
1: yeah for me, I think it comes back to the expectations and the growth for him uh, that would vault him uh, up to a b plus I know we put Baisley at a b minus um that's mainly because my expectations for Baisley were high, and he underachieved, and I don't feel like he grew a lot during the season. Whereas Roby, I feel like we can very easily go back and watch the growth. Uh, you mentioned the expectations um, uh, were low, and he beat those. So, so I'm cool with a B plus for Isaiah Roby. Perfect.
3: Yeah, and and we obviously you just said this, but just to reiterate the the grade. The grade Roby got being higher than Bayes does by no means say we think Roby's a better player today or will be in the future. Um, If you guys didn't catch the show last week when we went through the centers, we're taking everything into account
0: from expectation. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: to contract to growth and development that we saw to you know all those different aspects not just like who's a better player right now just wanted to clear
1: exactly 100 percent. all right nick the moment that everybody's been waiting for or the moment that i've been waiting for hell let's be honest our last power forward to grade the man the goat the serbian treasure Alexey Pokashevsky.
2: Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1,000,000. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
3: Who He is so tough because he did so many good things. There was also so many... Cringe moments and so many rookie mistakes, which is to be expected. Like I don't think you can knock him too hard for that. Um, he's hard to grade, so let me let me talk through it before I assign a yeah, grade. Yeah, for
1: sure. Let's do it. Uh, before you start talking through it, I just want everybody to know that Poku will not even be twenty until after Christmas. Um, by far the youngest player on the team. Um, so when we're when we're talking Poku. We're also kind of we're looking at the growth and the expectation of like where he ends up in the future because he is just so damn young.
3: Yep. Yeah, a good good point. He damn well maybe the the youngest player on the roster next season because a lot of the guys that are going to get drafted are older than him.
1: That is very true. Um,
3: <clears throat> so for Poku, it's it's really it's really black and white for me. He's a guy that. expected in year one, we would probably know. Is this guy going to be a legit NBA player, or is this guy going to be an absolute bust? Are we going to look back and think, why the heck did Presti trade up to 17 to get him? Or are we going to think, holy crap, how did no one take him in the lottery? Um, I think it's still too early to say Poku's a surefire lottery pick. I think he's shown some things that could give you insight into thinking that's a possibility one day without question. But I think he's also shown a floor which to me is is the biggest thing. Right? He's he's going to be a rotation and be a player. He may not end up being a long-term starter and the unicorn type seven-footer that we think he can be and he definitely still can be. But he's certainly not going to be the next international bust that was good in the, the Greece B League and came over and just couldn't hang. Um, that in itself was maybe the one thing I was looking for in him this year. Sure. He struggled from deep. Sure. He had some confidence issues early that he turned around. Um, overall defense isn't great, but he, he did show he could get in passing lanes and block shots. Ball handling is great. Passing ability is great. Had a bunch of turnovers. Like we could go up and down the raw stats and find great things. We could see all the records he broke. We could see a lot of bad things too. For me, again, very black and white. We saw his floor. His floor is, I think it's safe to say, Jacob, barring a major injury or some kind of crazy mental block. Him at 17, it's really hard to imagine a world where he looks like a bust at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I I love that you said that he's defined a floor now, and I think that floor is um, a bench wing in the NBA, right? Uh, that that was my biggest takeaway from Poku this year as well, Is he belongs. We, we had the discussion when they drafted him. Is this guy going to be in the league in three years? I think now the answer for me is emphatically yes. Um, you, know, you We didn't know. You know, He could have been the next Dragon Bender. He is definitely not the next Dragon Bender, though. Uh, at the beginning of the season, a lot of people in the chat on Locker Room are saying this. Beginning of the season, yeah, he was awful. That's uh, kind of what you expect from a... a kid that just turned 19 that's never been to America uh playing in the highest level of basketball ever uh he he looked bad and i think going down to the G League bubble um and getting a chance to really play with the ball in his hands and the the G League i think for poku was that that intermediate step right i think going from the Greek League to the NBA was a huge leap i think then backtracking a step to the G League bubble where the game's a little bit slower and then coming back up to the NBA, I think that was really good for his development. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think we got a, a really kind of defined floor for him. But Nick, I also think this season we saw flashes of the ceiling and it's a really high way up to that ceiling. Like the flashes we saw are special.
3: I mean... Some of the, I mean, <laughs> well, let me let me take a step back. Yes, if you go watch his preseason tape and some of his first couple games, you were like, "Um, what the hell is this guy airballing hook
1: shots for?" Yeah, um, I mean, he was a permanent shacked in a fool like staple. Yes.
3: yes, and and it's super underrated. You alluded to this, but being a nineteen, eighteen, nineteen year old kid moving to the United States in the middle of a pandemic, you get here, you sit in a hotel room by yourself for two weeks, and then you have like a week and a half to meet your teammates and practice and get ready to play at the highest level in the entire world. That's an underrated fact. Mentally, off the court, that is tough. And and Dagnall, early in the season, um, he was asked, you know, what, what we're pra- – the The last, you know, the draft was so late. They had it was a couple of weeks after he quarantined. He was like, he was asked what what were practices like, and Dagalt was like, literally, some days the goal of practice was to like learn everybody on the team's name. Like it was a brand new team, all these young guys. I think that off the court aspect for Poku is insane. Same with Teo. Um, but then you you like you said, you see the flashes, you see some things where you're like. The classic comp is Kristaps Porzingis. I think Poku has shown, and again, this is hypothetical, I think he's shown that he can be better than Kristaps. Kristaps is 7'3 and can shoot the ball, and you know they call him a unicorn because there's not many like him. I think Poku's even more of a unicorn. Like His yeah. ball handling today, I think, is better than Porzingis. His passing today... I think, is better than Porzingis, albeit he's a turnover machine. Like, he's shown flashes that I think he can be better than Porzingis, and that's huge. I mean, the, like, like you said, the flashes he has shown are absolutely absurd for a guy as size. Some-
1: exactly. I mean, he's a 7-foot guy, seven three, seven four wingspan, who is incredibly adept at being the ball handler in a pick-and-roll. Like, you don't see that. You know, the handle... If he can continue to refine those skills, get a tighter handle, um, be able to read the defense, the game slows down, the jump shot comes along, it's it's just incredibly impressive. Um, Sam Vecini went back on a redraft, I think, took Poku fifth, if I recall correctly. Fifth or s- Nick, sixth? Fifth, sixth, yeah, right around there. Uh, Nick, really quick, funny story. Um, last night, after the Dallas game, uh, my brother and I were playing uh, Xbox Online, and somebody in in the game talking on the headset with us. Uh, my brother and I were talking about the Dallas game, uh, and the guy said, "Hey, do you guys think Luca uh, could eventually get in the argument of being the goat?" And I said, "Well, I think Luca already is very much in the argument of being the best European-born player to ever play in the NBA." Uh, and he said, "Yeah, I would agree." He said, "I don't know that kid that Oklahoma City drafted is pretty good too, though." And I just thought, "Oh man, if Poku is get getting the love from outside of Oklahoma City right now, like watch out." Um, obviously, Poku is nowhere near the level of Luca, who we saw just absolutely obliterate the Clippers. And I just smiled and cackled the entire time. Um, but great, great, great stuff from Poku this season. Uh, Super excited about him. So, Nick, it comes down to what letter grade do we give Poku based off um, his growth, based off expectations, based off the contract, the age, the contributions to winning? Where does he land? It's
3: so hard. And it's like...
1: That's what she said.
3: Whichever direction I go, it's going to be scrutinized. Um, I think before I answer that question, I think it's awesome that he's got national attention. Like you see the Poku memes going around and in the top shot era, everyone wants Poku top shots. And he's kind of like that bowl bowl type guy or taco fall that everybody just around the league loves talking about. Um, I'm just going to go out and say it. I'm going to give him
1: a B minus. All right. There's no
3: right answer for Poku.
1: There's not. I'm gonna go an A minus. The expectation and the growth for me uh, are the two biggest ones.
3: You guys, you guys need to be the the tiebreaker in the check. That's that's quite a difference, A minus to B minus. If you guys have a strong opinion on Poku's grade based on that range,
1: Taylor is in the chat said double A plus. Cameron said B. Xander said triple A plus. Nate Sanders said C plus. Silver said C or B. It's all over the place, man.
3: It is. It's impossible, like you
1: said. So um, you want to meet in the middle and just go a flat B? I
3: think that's solid.
1: Let's do it. So overall, our grades for tonight: Darius Baisley a B minus, uh, Gabriel Deck a C plus, Isaiah Roby a B plus, and Poku with a solid B. Nick, I think there's a chance that we come back next season after a full offseason where Poku gets to be with uh, an NBA coaching staff, an NBA nutritionist, uh, gets to focus on specific parts of his game and comes back next season and raises that floor and really starts to show us flashes of that ceiling. There's a chance that he comes back and we say, Holy shit, he should have gone fifth overall. Um, There's also a chance he comes back and has the Darius Baisley effect as well and just doesn't really do much in his second year at all. Uh, But I am very hopeful for this kid. Like you mentioned, just completely one of a kind.
3: True unicorn.
1: True unicorn. Big fan of unicorns. All right. Well, I know Nick has to get out of here. Um, I will stay on for a moment and do any Q&As that you guys have um, before we log off. And again, like I mentioned, if you listen to the podcast form of this, the beginning of the show will have my thoughts on uh, the coin flip and how that affects OKC in the draft, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, Nick, I don't know what you got to go do, but go take care of it. Thanks for helping all, man. Pleasure. Uh, so if any of you guys here on locker room have any questions, uh, that you want to get in, want to hop up on stage, I'll stay for about five more minutes. Uh, Cameron says, how long do you think it will take before? OKC gets back in the playoffs. He already misses it. Um, I would say two years, I think in two years, the thunder, uh, could be in that play in tournament or even up to the six seed, uh, and pretty solid in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of it really depends on what June twenty second looks like for the Thunder and where those draft picks uh, fall in the lottery. That those are incredibly important. So we'll see what happens then. Uh, but yeah, Cameron, I think I would say say two years. Nate says seems like tankathon spins are going much better. I think only pick six won't be the end of the world. Uh, gives you Kaminga or Barnes. Yeah, Nate. the The worst case scenario for the Thunder is seven and eighteen. Because if the Thunder's own pick drops to eight, that means that enough teams hopped up in the lottery that Houston's pick falls to five. So uh, big hopes there that uh, that the Thunder... I mean, that, that's really promising that the worst they could do is seven and 18. Um, and then after that, it's like eight and five, right? So that would be really good. The Wash says, are you happy to see the Clippers be swept after tanking against us? Oh, yeah, man. Number one is just poetic justice. Number two, anytime the Clippers lose, it's good for the Thunder because the Thunder own all those picks. And so if for some reason the Clippers lose round one, which it's looking likely at this point, and then Kawhi decides to go elsewhere, those future unprotected picks from the Clippers start to become much, much more valuable. Uh, So bring on the Clipper uh, collapse. I am ready for it. Um, Kiwi says, any thoughts on Euro MVP OKC's Mitchich? Uh, not a ton of thoughts, Kiwi, because I haven't watched him play a whole lot. I know a lot of people are very, very high on Mitchich. It'll be interesting to see if he comes over and joins the Thunder. You have to remember the Thunder also have Shea uh, as a point guard. They have Dort, who can play point guard. They have Teo, who's a point guard. They have Ty Jerome, who's a point guard. They're about to hopefully have a top five pick in this draft and could possibly end up with a ball handler as well. So how does Mitchich really fit in with the roster? Um, that will be very fascinating. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, ben says he is a huge Raptors fan, but love the Thunder for the Canadian content. In a world where the ping pong ball falls Toronto's way, number one for SGA, who says no? Ben, damn it, I say no. All right? Uh, no, I, I think... I don't think the Thunder would trade Shea, uh, but there's a lot of times the Thunder do stuff that I do not expect them to do, so who knows? Uh, but I, I think Shea has shown too much uh, that the Thunder will want to continue to build around him. Um, but yeah, I love the Canadian connection on this team with with Shea and Lou. Uh, I wish they could get Shea's cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I think he'd be a great fit for this team as well. Uh, the, the chat agrees with me, Ben. They all say, no, Shea is ours. Hell no, you can't have him. Sorry, my man. Um, which other teams to watch in the playoffs uh, have, have effect for the Thunder besides Clippers and Heat? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know if there's any others that have like direct relation uh, to what happens with the Thunder. I think those are probably the two biggest ones. Uh Blaine says, Shea getting the rookie max in the coming months. He's not getting traded. Yeah, Thunder are definitely going to max him out. I don't think it's a question of if, but rather a question of when. So excited for that, though. Hopefully they get Shay for the full five years on that extension, and he is an OKC for a long, long time is the hope. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining the locker room. I really appreciate you. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, Thank you very much as well. Make sure to go drop a five-star rating for us if you don't mind. Also, go back and check out our bonus episode that we dropped Tuesday with Andrew Schlecht of Down to Dunk. We had a fun game of Take It or Leave It. We will be back again on the Locker Room app Friday, probably late afternoon, for another Locker Room Hangout. We're just going to get on here, chat, hang out, um, get people on stage, just have a discussion, uh, watch some playoff basketball together. So, If you're on the Locker Room app, come join us Friday afternoon slash evening. Uh, If you're not, download the app and come join us. And then, as always, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, we'll have our weekly live stream. Have a lot of fun stuff planned for that as well. So join us then. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Uh, If you're in Oklahoma, stay safe on Thursday as there's a chance of some severe weather. And we will talk to you guys soon. And as always, thunder up.
0: Made plans for summer childcare yet? If not, don't worry. Care.com can help. At
2: care.com, you can find trusted, reliable, and affordable sitters near you with flexibility that fits your summer plans. And because the best decisions are made with care, 100% of caregivers who use care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step for families to make strong hiring decisions. This summer, get help with activities, tutoring, pickups, drop-offs, and more. Sign up now at Care.com.